0: Is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker, author, and executive coach. And today I'm delighted to welcome Ann Morris to the show. Anne will talk about how she helps leaders and companies create the speed and trust necessary to generate momentum and results and welcome.
1: Caroline, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, my goodness. I am over the moon excited. I was sharing before we started the show today that I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, so it's just a joy to be able to talk with you about your new book. But I want to set this global audience up so they they have some context, and then I'm going to pass the baton to you. You know, it's an interesting time. Change is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And from my lens as a speaker, an author, and an executive coach, I see a lot of companies and a lot of leaders really languishing, and taking that change management at such a snail's pace that it's there's an emotional wake, it's frustrating, and they don't tackle the issues and solve for them. And my perception is it's creating uh, unnecessary drama. And you have talked about the importance of moving fast to fix things. So tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, um, g- wonderful question and, and great jumping off point. So one of the patterns that we observe in our work among the most effective change leaders is that they were really moving fast. And yet this is a moment where speed is still has a, a, a pretty bad name. So part of the mission of the book was to rehabilitate speed's reputation, but also really dig into the pattern around the leaders who were succeeding and really enduring and sustainable change and we spend a lot of time in the tech world there is an ethos of move fast and break things and when we pushed on that what we really found was that the most successful leaders were building trust first and then moving fast so they were really earning the right to move fast on a foundation of trust and so we wrote the book and this is a big part of our message to the world is well how do you really do that because we, we live at a time that assumes that trust and speed are trading off on each other when that really doesn't line up with our experience.
0: You know, it's interesting because uh, I mentioned I'm feeling this slowness that sometimes stymies companies and leaders, and you write about that. You write about there are signs that an organization is stalling. Would you clarify that?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the pattern really showed up clearly for us, but what we found in organizations where there were potential change agents who were getting stuck. One thing we we're seeing is that there were there were signs that you're in an environment that's gonna push back on your momentum. So one of them that we talk about a lot is this idea of, of being relegated to a task force where the task force doesn't have a clear mandate, clear decision rights, or the sponsorship of somebody with, with power and influence in the organization. And if you find yourself getting sidelined, in that way, then it's a sign that you need to have a conversation about what is the organization's appetite for change.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense. You know, I I I'm coining you the fixer, and that is a, a term of endearment. Not only because your TED pop podcast is called Fixable with Francis, but it is just such a, a, a beautiful thing that you do in all of your work. You help organizations and leaders solve problems. So, talk to me a little bit about this beautiful Monday through Friday lens through which you look at moving fast and fixing
1: things? Yeah, we, we, we were getting a lot of questions around, well, you know, I, I believe, <laughs> and Francis, I believe you, uh, I believe the headline here, which is that we have to move fast and fix things. But what does that look like in practice? And so we wrote this book to really dig into, okay, how can we, can we templatize this in some way? it we talk about five major steps and we have some fun with it they line up with the days of the week and we're being a little playful here that you can solve any problem in a week but we're also being serious about the fact that if you really look into the amount of time it takes to do each of these steps it's not that much longer than you know 8 to 10 hours a step it would be a typical workday. We just tend to drag out the change process over weeks and months and some organizations even over years. And what we're trying to invite people to really think about is, well, if we did this on a condensed timeline, what else happens? And what else happens is you really create a sense of possibility inside an organization. Both humans and organizations tend to be operating at a fraction of their potential. And one of the ways that you release the energy that allows these systems to succeed and achieve is to move fast. But you got to fix things as you go. And so Monday through Thursday is really about, you know, building trust, telling the story, figuring out what's really not working. And then by Friday, you earn the right to go fast because you're far less likely to break things.
0: You know, I'd love, love, love the the phrase that you just shared, release the energy. I hear you loud and clearly. When we drag it out, it, the energy just dies, right? I mean the, the whole momentum just, just pauses. So I'm I'm hearing you say build the trust and then rip the band-aid and go.
1: And go. Exactly. Exactly. And we're not saying, you know, spend six months building trust. You you know, we're saying, okay, let's quickly get in there. Let's figure out what's not working, let's run some smart experiments. Let's bring the people along who need to be brought along, tell a great story about it, and then you can move. And that can happen in, in some situations. It literally happened in a matter of days.
0: Wow. Wow. You, you write beautifully about what gets in the way of identifying the problem that you should be solving because sometimes other things percolate and you know there's, there's mission creep about or problem creep about what, uh, what you should be solving. So speak more into that.
1: Oh, Caroline, so much can get in the way of really looking, honestly, at what's not working. The the antidote is curiosity. So if you can get, uh, you know, we I, I like to think of, of the human brain in terms of parts, but if you can really get the judgy parts uh, out of the way and free up what we like to call your inner scientist, if you can free up the inner scientist and- really give them permission to get curious about what's not working, then you are 50% of the way there. So get, you know, get your inner critic out of the way. And sometimes that can, in organizations, that can be literally just invite the, the critics and the skeptics to, to step aside for the day. Um, and then f- figure out with an open mind and open heart what what are the root causes of the problems you're seeing? So figure out the problem, get really curious about what's not working. And we always encourage people to have a very direct conversation with the people who have a stake in the problem. And you'd be shocked. You you Maybe you wouldn't be shocked, Carolyn, because you spend your day thinking about how to make organizations better. Um, but you'd be shocked how rare it is for people to have a really direct conversation with the the stakeholders in a problem. We'll often say that a lot of problems are just one brave conversation away from being solved. And that requires getting comfortable with the discomfort of what Chris Arger said, one of the great organizational behavioralists, discussing the undiscussable. So yes. Monday, and you know, this is step one, is really about discussing the undiscussable.
0: And I I love that. The brave conversations just resonate so, so deeply. It's also about trust. And you clearly write about the importance of trust. You even go as far as to talk about three essential drivers. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. And they are authenticity, empathy, and logic, so how how does a leader who's wanting to either rebuild or build trust, how do they start? Because I, I'm confident there are people listening around the world that are saying, intellectually, I get that. Where do I start building trust?
1: Well, it's, it's really helpful to look at the patterns around trust for yourself as an individual leader, but also for your organization. And that same pattern applies. It actually goes all the way back to Aristotle's Logos, Pathos, Ethos. What we tend to see is that both individuals and organizations have a trust pattern where, when we lose trust, when trust breaks down and we fail to build as much trust as possible, one of these three pillars of trust tends to get wobbly on us. And we call it your wobble. And so, look back at the pattern of moments in your day and life and career where you failed to gain as much traction on trust as was possible and figure out which. Which one of these three pillars got shaky? That is a fantastic place to start. It's true for you. It's true for your organization. Figure out where trust is breaking down. And then what we invite you to do on Tuesday is to run some smart experiments about how to rebuild trust. So come up with a plan uh, for how to steady that trust wobble with whoever, come up with a plan on how to steady that trust wobble with whoever on the other side of the problem.
0: And I, I'm so grateful for wobble, right? This is not perfection. First of all, there is no such thing, and it humanizes, and and I think helps um, mitigate the fear and the apprehension. You're going to wobble, and that's okay. W- wobble into it, right? Walk into the fear.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, everyone has a wobble. You know, m- most of us are trusted most of the time. That your your listeners who are taking the time to listen to this podcast, they are trusted most of the time. But the other thing that's true for all of us is we all lose trust along the way. And a little bit of curiosity about around the pattern is the opening to rebuild trust. Trust gets treated as this, you know, Fabergé egg. You know, we talk about as if you lose trust, you're never going to be able to. In fact, we're we're losing and rebuilding trust all day long. And when you bring that frame on it and you, you bring some humility around What's going to work, and really, you know, get into the sandbox and and play a little bit. on uh, What's it going to take to rebuild trust? We find that me- people can make tremendous progress in a very short amount of time.
0: And it's certainly, the leader has some onus here to to be authentic and and wobble in front of in front of the rank and file but i think the the team and and the other folks that are not necessarily at the top of the org chart can take responsibility in trust as well any any thoughts there about what the non-leader the unleaders i mean everybody's leader metaphorically right but i'm thinking of the organizational chart what about the rest of the folks how do they participate in trust building
1: yeah i mean you you're you're an executive coach so i Imagine the statement will resonate with you as well. But you know, a lot of the work we do with individuals up and down the hierarchy is help them get in touch with the agency they do have in a situation. So, in a trust diagnostic, what we're pushing you to do is really take the perspective of your skeptic in a situation, and maybe it's your relationship with your boss that you're trying to improve. If if you if you take their perspective on the situation which of these three has started to get a little shaky and it's going to be logic, empathy, or authenticity. And then what's empowering about that framing is that if you have some agency in the problem, that's the bad news. The good news is you also have some power. You also have the ability to change the outcome. And if we can do, if we can move that needle a little bit, in terms of getting people really into the cockpit of their lives and in touch with the power they do have to change the quality of their relationships to change what's happening for them at work and do that at some kind of scale then we can really move the needle of how organizations and even like what's happening at the species level i mean that's what's really motivating about this kind of conversation caroline and the, the work that we get to do is to get people connected to their ability to change the outcomes, not just in their lives, but in their organizations, wherever they are in the hierarchy.
0: Mm, Good stuff. And we'll be right back after a quick break. I'd like to tell you about a special offer. If you want to bring your podcast to life or up your podcast game, You can get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn using my special code CDHWORK. The Libsyn team will get your podcast on Apple and Spotify and give you access to critical stats and all the support you need to sound your best and grow your show. Use my special code CDHWORK. for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create a healthy workplace culture, or prevent burnout in your organization, I can create customized content to help you recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. Connect with me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So, diversity, equity, it's been all the rage for, gosh, a decade plus. Uh, Organizations are, I hope, leaning into it with intentionality. But you talk about, I'm looking at the, the Wednesday create a culture where everyone can thrive. To me, that celebrates. Inclusivity, and and that's different than diversity and equity. Tell me more about that because you also call it making new friends.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we your 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 mission on Wednesday is to make new friends, and what we're really inviting you to do is to widen the circle of engagement on whatever problem you're trying to solve. So we'll sometimes call this think a different day, mm. but the data is really clear that whatever problem you're trying to solve, you're going to be better at solving it with people who don't already think like you do. The issue that we see in organizations is that as much as we know this at, at a surface level, it's, we, it's really hard to execute without being intentional for the simple reason that we really like people who are really like us. And that's not a dirty little secret. That's what makes us human. Yeah. Um, And yet the data is also really clear that we're going to be much better at solving problems. At the organizational level, we're going to be much better at performing. Any indicator you can think of improves with inclusion. And so what we're really pushing you to do on Wednesday is to get out of your comfort zone and involve different kinds of people in solving your problem. Then your instincts will lead you to involve. Mm.
0: Love it. So let's get granular because this is so juicy and delicious on a theoretical level. But let's talk about what companies are doing. And I'll I'll honor confidentiality, right? You don't have to mention the names of leaders, but think about companies, even if you just think of the industry that they're in. Can you share more? Let's give an example of how um, companies are really empowering others in moving fast and fixing things.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, um, and that was what was really fun about writing the book is that we got, we, we use a lot of public sources for this reason to honor confidentiality, but there's a, a ton of data out there on companies that are getting this right. So um, we spent a lot of time uh, with Uber. I think that, that story has been well documented in, in the public record. Uber was wrestling with, an empathy wobble with many of its stakeholders. And so uh, I'll give one example is that drivers were really wondering uh, where they fit in this gig economy where they seem to be at the low end of the totem pole. Where do they fit in the company's future? It was hard to get people on the phone. The economics weren't clear. it, It was difficult, uh, you know, to, to be tipped in this environment where you're using your smartphone. So one of the things the company did was to say, okay, what's going wrong with our uh, our this stakeholder relationship with, with drivers? And how can we quickly fix those issues? And so they just moved through this process that we outlined Monday to Friday is figure out what's really going on here, um, figure out how we can rebuild trust, what's it going to take. And what came out of that were You know, beautiful new tipping functionality, Mm. for example, beautiful safety features that made it easier for women to sign up and drive because it really addressed some of the anxieties of being in this intimate space with a stranger, Uh, more responsive uh, HR systems where it's easier to, if you were having a problem, get people as a driver, get people on the phone. And the reason they were able to rebuild trust is Uh, and, and, and fix this fast is, yeah, they took all those steps, but then at the end, they did this all quickly. Mm. And that's, as we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, that that's a huge part of getting to whether it's your life or your organization or your marriage, you know, it, when you move fast, you're signaling that this is a priority to you. And so that is a that is a huge investment in the relationship because you are signaling it matters enough that I'm going to put this at the top of my to do list. I'm going to put other things for now. Other things are going to be secondary and we're going to fix this and we're going to going to make it right and that's what uber did with so many of its stakeholders.
0: And you know what i love about that it's also honoring the end user, right? the rider, the person who is enjoying the the service. It it benefited them as well because those changes impacted their experience to the positive.
1: Absolutely. It's a, it's a really virtuous cycle. I mean, uber went through that the the same process of centering the needs of riders and figuring out, all right, what do we need to do to do right by all of the people getting in our vehicles, they went through the same process, but some of the tools that they came up for, you know, for, for drivers were also useful to riders and particularly on the safety front. Right. You know, there, there were, there was anxiety about safety for both riders and drivers. And the company was able to be super responsive. Once it brought this frame to the problem of like, okay, um, you know, we weren't centering the needs of these stakeholders. And when we do, what comes out of that conversation? Can we quickly fix it?
0: Yeah, great example. So, Anne, as we, we start to wrap, and we could talk for hours, but I will honor your time and that of our listeners around the world. Clearly, there is uh, great wisdom in speeding up appropriately. Are there times that we need to slow it down a little bit and and take the time?
1: Yeah, well, you know, we we... <laughs> we call it Monday through Friday. Um, and then we tell you to take the weekend off. Um, you know, burnout is, is a real thing The the research on peak performance is really clear that the sprint only works when you parent pair it with recovery. Uh, and so if you are, uh, if you are really feeling that sense of burnout, the best thing you can do is to take a break, give your, mind and body a chance to recover, and then come back to the problem. When we see organizations moving too fast, uh, they tend to be in this category that we call reckless disruption, where it's high speed, which is great. It's a necessary input into change leadership, but low trust. And so when we see signs of reckless disruption, it's you know red flags or high anxiety, high incidence of... What we call the Sunday scaries. So, you know, employees just feeling like uh, Sunday night, a lot of dread going into work. Uh, when we see high churn of, of talented people, those are signs that you need to pause. And we would argue, go back to some of those trust building steps and then earn the right to move fast because you're not there yet.
0: Hmm. Good, good advice. And what a delight to have you on the show. Your incredible book, co-authored by Francis Fry, is called Move Fast and Fix Things, The Trusted Leader's Guide to Solving hard problems. And a special congratulations to both you and Francis for being recognized by Thinkers 50, amongst the world's most influential business thinkers. Way to go. And if you would be so kind, uh, I know that the book is available on Amazon and all major book retailers, but I would love for you to tell this global audience how they can continue to engage with you and perhaps listen to your podcast
1: yes we also have a podcast called fixable which is part of the uh, ted audio collective where in in 30 minutes or less we we fix a callers problem uh, we, we work with our callers to fix a workplace problem uh, you can find us at annandfrancis.com a n n e uh, f r a n c e s.com and then on linkedin where we uh, where we have an active dialogue uh, with the the community of people like you and your listeners who are really trying to make work really work uh, for the individuals who show up every day,
0: and I'm deeply grateful. I thank you, and please give Francis my best. And thank you for sharing your wisdom and expertise. I love the book, and I'm I'm sharing it with my clients, and I know this global audience will will benefit from it as well.
1: Uh, thank you so much. It was it's been such a pleasure and privilege to have my favorite conversation with you today.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Anne. And Your Working Life is now available on all major podcast platforms. And of course, I'd love to hear from you. So let me know how we're doing. You can find me at carolinedowthiggins.com. And I wanna give a special shout out to my extraordinary podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer, Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. We now have listeners in 16 countries around the world. I'm Caroline
1: Dowd-Higgins.
0: Thanks for listening.